section one of the mabinogen volume two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the mabinogen volume two by anonymous translated by charlotte guest section one geraint the son of urban arthur was accustomed to hold his court at carleon upon usk and there he held it seven easters and five christmases and once upon a time he held his court there at whitsuntide for carleon was the place most easy of access in his dominions both by sea and by land and there were assembled nine crown kings who were his tributaries and likewise earls and barons for they were his invited guests at all the high festivals unless they were prevented by any great hindrance and when he was at carleon holding his court thirteen churches were set apart for mass and thus were they appointed one church for arthur and his kings and his guests and the second for gwen wyvar and her ladies and the third for the steward of the household and the suitors and the fourth for the franks and the other officers and the other nine churches were for the nine masters of the household and chiefly for gwalch mai for he from the eminence of his warlike fame and from the nobleness of his birth was the most exalted of the nine and there was no other arrangement respecting the churches than that which we have mentioned above glulwid gavilvar was the chief porter but he did not himself perform the office except at one of the three high festivals for he had seven men to serve him and they divided the year amongst them they were grin and pen pigeon and lace kymen and goggy felch and gird nigh with cat's eyes who could see as well by night as by day and drem the son of drem hitid and clust the son of clust vain id and these were arthur's guards and on whit tuesday as the king sat at the banquet lo there entered a tall fair-headed youth clad in a coat and a surcoat of diap red satin and a golden hilted sword about his neck and low shoes of leather upon his feet and he came and stood before arthur hail to thee lord said he heaven prosper thee he answered and be thou welcome dost thou bring any new tidings i do lord he said i know thee not said arthur it is a marvel to me that thou dost not know me i am one of thy foresters lord in the forest of dean and my name is madoc the son of turgadarn tell me thine errand said arthur i will do so lord said he in the forest i saw a stag the like of which beheld i never yet what is there about him asked arthur that thou never yet didst see his like he is of pure white lord and he does not herd with any other animal through stateliness and pride so royal is his bearing 
and i come to seek thy counsel lord and to know thy will concerning him it seems best to me said arthur to go and hunt him to-morrow at break of day and to cause general notice thereof to be given to-night in all quarters of the court and airy furis was arthur's chief huntsman and airy livery was his chief page and all received notice and thus it was arranged and they sent the youth before them then gwen wyvar said to arthur wilt thou permit me lord said she to go to-morrow to see and hear the hunt of the stag of which the young man spoke i will gladly said arthur then will i go said she and gwalch my said to arthur lord if it seem well to thee permit that into whose hunt soever the stag shall come that one be he a knight or one on foot may cut off his head and give it to whom he pleases whether to his own lady love or to the lady of his friend i grant it gladly said arthur and let the steward of the household be chastised if all are not ready to-morrow for the chase and they passed the night with songs and diversions and discourse and ample entertainment and when it was time for them all to go to sleep they went and when the next day came they arose and arthur called the attendants who guarded his couch and these were four pages whose names were cadier nerth the son of porthar gandwi and ambru the son of bedwar and amhar the son of arthur and goru the son of custenen and these men came to arthur and saluted him and arrayed him in his garments and arthur wondered that gwen wyvar did not awake and did not move in her bed and the attendants wished to awaken her disturb her not said arthur for she had rather sleep than go to see the hunting then arthur went forth and he heard two horns sounding one from near the lodging of the chief huntsman and the other from near that of the chief page and the whole assembly of the multitudes came to arthur and they took the road to the forest and after arthur had gone forth from the palace gwen wyvar awoke and called to her maidens and apparelled herself maidens said she i had leave last night to go and see the hunt go one of you to the stable and order hither a horse such as a woman may ride and one of them went and she found but two horses in the stable and gwen wyvar and one of her maidens mounted them and went through the usk and followed the track of the men and the horses and as they rode thus they heard a loud and rushing sound and they looked behind them and beheld a knight upon a hunter foal of mighty size and the rider was a fair-haired youth bare-legged and of princely mien and a golden-hilted sword was at his side and a robe and a surcoat of satin were upon him and two low shoes of leather upon his feet and around him was a scarf of blue-purple at each corner of which was a golden apple and his horse stepped stately and swift and proud and he overtook gwen wyvar and saluted her heaven prosper thee geraint said she i knew thee when first i saw thee just now and the welcome of heaven be unto thee and why didst thou not go with thy lord to hunt because i knew not when he went said he i marvelled too said she how he could go unknown to me indeed lady said he 
i was fast asleep and knew not when he went but thou o young man art the most agreeable companion i could have in the whole kingdom and it may be that i shall be more amused with the hunting than they for we shall hear the horns when they sound and we shall hear the dogs when they are let loose and begin to cry so they went to the edge of the forest and there they stood from this place said she we shall hear when the dogs are let loose and thereupon they heard a loud noise and they looked towards the spot whence it came and they beheld a dwarf riding upon a horse stately and foaming and prancing and strong and spirited and in the hand of the dwarf was a whip and near the dwarf they saw a lady upon a beautiful white horse of steady and stately pace and she was clothed in a garment of gold brocade and near her was a knight upon a war-horse of large size with heavy and bright armour both upon himself and upon his horse and truly they never before saw a knight or a horse or armour of such remarkable size and they were all near to each other geraint said gwen wyvar knowest thou the name of that tall knight yonder i know him not said he and the strange armour that he wears prevents my either seeing his face or his features go maiden said gwen wyvar and ask the dwarf who that knight is then the maiden went up to the dwarf and the dwarf waited for the maiden when he saw her coming towards him and the maiden inquired of the dwarf who the knight was i will not tell thee he answered since thou art so churlish as not to tell me said she i will ask him himself thou shalt not ask him by my faith said he wherefore said she because thou art not of honour sufficient to befit thee to speak to my lord then the maiden turned her horse's head towards the knight upon which the dwarf struck her with the whip that was in his hand across the face and the eyes until the blood flowed forth and the maiden through the hurt she received from the blow returned to gwen wyvar complaining of the pain very rudely has the dwarf treated thee said geraint i will go myself to know who the knight is go said gwen wyvar and geraint went up to the dwarf who is yonder knight said geraint i will not tell thee said the dwarf then will i ask him himself said he that wilt thou not by my faith said the dwarf thou art not honourable enough to speak with my lord said geraint i have spoken with men of equal rank with him and he turned his horse's head towards the knight but the dwarf overtook him and struck him as he had done the maiden so that the blood coloured the scarf that geraint wore then geraint put his hand upon the hilt of his sword but he took counsel with himself and considered that it would be no vengeance for him to slay the dwarf and to be attacked unarmed by the armed knight so he returned to where gwen wyvar was thou hast acted wisely and discreetly said she lady said he i will follow him yet with thy permission and at last he will come to some inhabited place where i may have arms either as a loan or for a pledge so that i may encounter the knight go said she and do not attack him until thou hast good arms and i shall be very anxious concerning thee until i hear tidings of thee if i am alive said he thou shalt hear tidings of me by to-morrow afternoon and with that he departed 
and the road they took was below the palace of carleon and across the ford of the usk and they went along a fair and even and lofty ridge of ground until they came to a town and at the extremity of the town they saw a fortress and a castle and they came to the extremity of the town and as the knight passed through it all the people arose and saluted him and bade him welcome and when geraint came into the town he looked at every house to see if he knew any of those whom he saw but he knew none and none knew him to do him the kindness to let him have arms either as a loan or for a pledge and every house he saw was full of men and arms and horses and they were polishing shields and burnishing swords and washing armour and shoeing horses and the knight and the lady and the dwarf rode up to the castle that was in the town and every one was glad in the castle and from the battlements and the gates they risked their necks through their eagerness to greet them and to show their joy geraint stood there to see whether the knight would remain in the castle and when he was certain that he would do so he looked around him and at a little distance from the town he saw an old palace in ruins wherein was a hall that was falling to decay and as he knew not any one in the town he went towards the old palace and when he came near to the palace he saw but one chamber and a bridge of marble stone leading to it and upon the bridge he saw sitting a hoary-headed man upon whom were tattered garments and geraint gazed steadfastly upon him for a long time then the hoary-headed man spoke to him young man he said wherefore art thou thoughtful i am thoughtful said he because i know not where to go to-night wilt thou come forward this way chieftain said he and thou shalt have of the best that can be procured for thee so geraint went forward and the hoary-headed man preceded him into the hall and in the hall he dismounted and he left there his horse then he went on to the upper chamber with the hoary-headed man and in the chamber he beheld an old decrepit woman sitting on a cushion with old tattered garments of satin upon her and it seemed to him that he had never seen a woman fairer than she must have been when in the fullness of youth and beside her was a maiden upon whom were a vest and a veil that were old and beginning to be worn out and truly he never saw a maiden more full of comeliness and grace and beauty than she and the hoary-headed man said to the maiden there is no attendant for the horse of this youth but thyself i will render the best service i am able said she both to him and to his horse and the maiden disarrayed the youth and then she furnished his horse with straw and with corn and she went to the hall as before and then she returned to the chamber and the hoary-headed man said to the maiden go to the town said he and bring hither the best that thou canst find both of food and of liquor i will gladly lord said she and to the town went the maiden and they conversed together while the maiden was at the town and behold the maiden came back and a youth with her bearing on his back a costrel full of good purchased mead and a quarter of a young bullock and in the hands of the maiden was a quantity of white bread and she had some manchet bread in her veil and she came into the chamber i could not obtain better than this said she nor with better should i have been trusted it is good enough said geraint and they caused the meat to be boiled and when their food was ready they sat down 
and it was in this wise geraint sat between the hoary-headed man and his wife and the maiden served them and they ate and drank and when they had finished eating geraint talked with the hoary-headed man and he asked him in the first place to whom belonged the palace that he was in truly said he it was i that built it and to me also belonged the city and the castle which thou sawest alas said geraint how is it that thou hast lost them now i lost a great earldom as well as these said he and this is how i lost them i had a nephew the son of my brother and i took his possessions to myself and when he came to his strength he demanded of me his property but i withheld it from him so he made war upon me and wrested from me all that i possessed good sir said geraint wilt thou tell me wherefore came the knight and the lady and the dwarf just now into the town and what is the preparation which i saw and the putting of arms in order i will do so said he the preparations are for the game that is to be held to-morrow by the young earl which will be on this wise in the midst of a meadow which is here two forks will be set up and upon the two forks a silver rod and upon the silver rod a sparrow-hawk and for the sparrow-hawk there will be a tournament and to the tournament will go all the array thou didst see in the city of men and of horses and of arms and with each man will go the lady he loves best and no man can joust for the sparrow-hawk except the lady he loves best be with him and the knight that thou sawest has gained the sparrow-hawk these two years and if he gains it the third year they will from that time send it every year to him and he himself will come here no more and he will be called the knight of the sparrow-hawk from that time forth sir said geraint what is thy counsel to me concerning this knight on account of the insult which i received from the dwarf and that which was received by the maiden of gwen wyvar the wife of arthur and geraint told the hoary-headed man what the insult was that he had received it is not easy to counsel thee inasmuch as thou hast neither dame nor maiden belonging to thee for whom thou canst joust yet i have arms here which thou couldst have and there is my horse also if he seem to thee better than thine own ah sir said he heaven reward thee but my own horse to which i am accustomed together with thine arms will suffice me and if when the appointed time shall come to-morrow thou wilt permit me sir to challenge for yonder maiden that is thy daughter i will engage if i escape from the tournament to love the maiden as long as i live and if i do not escape she will remain unsullied as before gladly will i permit thee said the hoary-headed man and since thou dost thus resolve it is necessary that thy horse and arms should be ready to-morrow at break of day for then the knight of the sparrow-hawk will make proclamation and ask the lady he loves best to take the sparrow-hawk for will he say to her thou art the fairest of women and thou didst possess it last year and the year previous and if any deny it thee to-day by force will i defend it for thee and therefore said the hoary-headed man it is needful for thee to be there at daybreak and we three will be with thee and thus was it settled and at night lo they went to sleep and before the dawn they arose and arrayed themselves 
and by the time that it was day they were all four in the meadow and there was the knight of the sparrow-hawk making the proclamation and asking his lady-love to fetch the sparrow-hawk fetch it not said geraint for there is here a maiden who is fairer and more noble and more comely and who has a better claim to it than thou if thou maintainest the sparrow-hawk to be due to her come forward and do battle with me and geraint went forward to the top of the meadow having upon himself and upon his horse armour which was heavy and rusty and worthless and of uncouth shape then they encountered each other and they broke a set of lances and they broke a second set and a third and thus they did at every onset and they broke as many lances as were brought to them and when the earl and his company saw the knight of the sparrow-hawk gaining the mastery there was shouting and joy and mirth amongst them and the hoary-headed man and his wife and his daughter were sorrowful and the hoary-headed man served geraint lances as often as he broke them and the dwarf served the knight of the sparrow-hawk then the hoary-headed man came to geraint o oh, chieftain said he since no other will hold with thee behold here is the lance which was in my hand on the day when i received the honour of knighthood and from that time to this i never broke it and it has an excellent point then geraint took the lance thanking the hoary-headed man and thereupon the dwarf also brought a lance to his lord behold here is a lance for thee not less good than his said the dwarf and bethink thee that no knight ever withstood thee before so long as this one has done i declare to heaven said geraint that unless death takes me quickly hence he shall fare never the better for thy service and geraint pricked his horse towards him from afar and warning him he rushed upon him and gave him a blow so severe and furious and fierce upon the face of his shield that he cleft it in two and broke his armour and burst his girths so that both he and his saddle were borne to the ground over the horse's crupper and geraint dismounted quickly and he was wroth and he drew his sword and rushed fiercely upon him then the knight also arose and drew his sword against geraint and they fought on foot with their swords until their aims struck sparks of fire like stars from one another and thus they continued fighting until the blood and sweat obscured the light from their eyes and when geraint prevailed the hoary-headed man and his wife and his daughter were glad and when the knight prevailed it rejoiced the earl and his party then the hoary-headed man saw geraint receive a severe stroke and he went up to him quickly and said to him o chieftain remember the treatment which thou hadst from the dwarf and wilt thou not seek vengeance for the insult to thyself and for the insult to gwen wyvar the wife of arthur and geraint was roused by what he said to him and he called to him all his strength and lifted up his sword and struck the knight upon the crown of his head so that he broke all his head armour and cut through all the flesh and the skin even to the skull until he wounded the bone then the knight fell upon his knees and cast his sword from his hand and besought mercy of geraint of a truth said he i relinquish my overdaring and my pride in craving thy mercy and unless i have time to commit myself to heaven for my sins and to talk with a priest thy mercy will avail me little i will grant thee grace upon this condition said geraint 
that thou wilt go to gwen wyvar the wife of arthur to do her satisfaction for the insult which her maiden received from thy dwarf as to myself for the insult which i received from thee and thy dwarf i am content with that which i have done unto thee dismount not from the time thou goest hence until thou comest into the presence of gwen wyvar to make her what atonement shall be adjudged at the court of arthur this will i do gladly and who art thou said he i am geraint the son of urban and declare thou also who thou art i am edurn the son of nud then he threw himself upon his horse and went forward to arthur's court and the lady he loved best went before him and the dwarf with much lamentation and thus far this story up to that time End of section one